Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Em Flying, a Firefly podcast in which we are taking on the very difficult task of reviewing each episode of Firefly. I'm Paul Spataro, the Firefly newbie, and I am joined, as always, by my ever-present cohorts, Mr. Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. And Shepard Bill Robinson. Hello. Bill, are you, are you there or are you underwater? <laughs> the invasion of the surface world has begun. <laughs> it's starting in Florida. But they're, but they're soon heading up to you, Paul. I, so as, I hear. As Hurricane Hermione, that I was having this argument with my wife, I was like, see, it's a Harry Potter character. She's like, that's not how it's pronounced. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> how I'm pronouncing it. It's spelled differently as well, I think. Yeah. Look, you you just stop, Mr. Englishman, with your... <laughs> with my English. With your extra vowels. It's up to and Andy. Stuff. There'd be an extra U in there. <laughs> and yeah. My U. Yeah, so I, I don't want to hear anything from you. I'm just it. saying that in a fight between you and the missus, I've found that it's just safer around to side with the missus. I'm thinking of you, dude. Yeah, it, it almost ended up with, with Mrs... Uh... Robinson up here instead of Bill for when when the freaks got together. Oh yeah, yeah, that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Leave Bill at home. Want to hang up and hang out with us? Just bring Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, Ben's so Ben is always welcome. He's my favorite Robinson. Oh no 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 no! You said Alvin was your favorite Robinson. Oh yeah, oh I forgot Alvin. Yeah. Oh, how could you forget Alvin? I know he's going to scratch my eyes out. And if you hear cats in the background, you'll notice that Scott 2.0 has joined us once again. Yes. Thanks for having me back, guys. Definitely. He's running his own cat whorehouse up there. In Lucifer, uh, Agent house. of Darkness. Actually. Oh, very good. <laughs> anyway, speaking of cat houses. Speaking of cat houses, anybody got any Firefly news? Is the show uh, still canceled? I heard it's yes, coming back. Yes, I, I do have a little actually. I've been, I, as I said, I think in our aerial uh, podcast that uh, there has been an online game cooking out there. As I'm, you know, the, the duly uh, representative of a no councils for old men here, I'll give you some gaming news. But uh, apparently, the uh, Firefly game also still dead. Um, there's been like no news on it for like a year and a half, and. Just not looking good that it'll ever be developed. <laughs> they did, did have did, that uh, that, that trailer, fake that animation that, yeah. trailer. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah, and and sad because I'd be quiet, be quiet. Somebody, somebody, somebody get pill with seizure medicine. Yes. Be careful what you say. Was Paul that the trigger not... word? Was that the? MTL I have not watched. Trigger? I have not watched Serenity yet. If that's the risk, that's here. where I. That's what I was trying to stop. Yes, Chewbacca. I have not watched it yet. So we've got was... cats and Chewbacca. I wasn't spoiling anything, was I? I just said the game. I don't know. No, no, no sad. No, nothing. <laughs> no, I said that the. Uh, the... No, I meant Do it again, the, the, the animation was. Oh, sorry. Okay. Billy's erring on the side of show caution. like that, not oh, because of anything in the show that would spoil something for Paul, because I wouldn't do that. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Trust it's me. early. We might be a little punchy, a little tired. Speak Some of yourself. us have been battling. Sir, I've got plenty of high test coffee in me. I'm fine this this time. I around. can't drink anything because I've taken a blood <laughs> test a few hours, so I have no Mountain Dew in me. Nothing. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. You can always drink coffee, though. They always say you can drink coffee. No, you can't. What what part of fasting do you not understand? Black coffee. They always told me I could have it in bed. Squeeze said it's okay. So should we talk about an episode of Firefly, though? Uh, We can, because this show is cool for cats. Yay. (laughs) Nearing the end of the run here, Paul, has it been everything people have told you it Uh, it was going to be? Yes. And, And... Far too much so, because yeah. I'm feeling the melancholy over an ending, which I pr- I didn't think I would because I went into it knowing we had a limited number. Yeah. So I didn't think I'd be so sad about it being over. But, you know, I've now completed watching the entire series, and all I have left on my uh, on my playlist is the movie. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, kind of melancholy over the whole thing. Looking forward to listening to to that episode, definitely. (laughs) Looking forward to watching it. But I I do have a viewing partner because my son has also binged the show. So he's he's waiting for me and we're going to watch Serenity together. Excellent. Has he never seen the film? Nope. He didn't even know there was a film until I told him. Cool. He doesn't have his finger on the geek pulse the way I do. The way I do, waiting 13 years to watch a show that everybody's raving about. Anyway, today's show, or today's episode, is titled Hearts of Gold. And it's the 13th episode of this first and only season. Searching for a heart of gold. I had to follow that up from last episode. That's no problem. And I'm getting Written by it. Brett Matthews, directed by Thomas Wright, and it originally aired on August 19th, 2013. The story goes something like this. At a brothel in the middle of a barren land, a powerful man named Rance Burgess, accompanied by thugs, approaches the madam, Nandi, demanding to see a woman named Petaline. Is it Petaline or Petaline? I thought it was Petaline. Okay. Constantine. Nandi- Constantine. As she's peddling her wares. Yay! (laughs) When Nandi denies the presence of Petaline, Burgess's thugs draw out Petaline, who is visibly several months pregnant. Before Burgess, who extracts extracts a DNA sample. Before Burgess, who extracts a DNA sample. He tells her he will return for his child if the DNA proves the child to be his, threatening to cut it out of her if need be. Aboard the space vessel Serenity, companion Inara Sarah receives a distress call from Nandi, who it is revealed is a good friend of hers. After Nandi requests Inara's help, Inara goes to Captain Malcolm Reynolds. She explains that Nandi and the prostitutes who work in Nandi's brothel are not companions and are not protected by the guild. After she relates their plight, Reynolds agrees to assist Nandi. But declares Anara's offer of payment for the. De- but declines Anara's offer of payment for the deed. Can anybody tell it's really early as I read this? <laughs> After Serenity lands near Nandi's ranch, Jane Cobb takes advantage of the hospitality of the women there, while Shepherd Book administers to some women who wish him to pray with them, and Doctor Tam goes on to examine Petaline, Petaline, Petalini, who will give birth soon. Reynolds gets to know Nandi, who explains the poverty that Burgess enforces on the locals. Seeking to size up his opponent, opponent, Reynolds, along with Anara, attends a public event attended by Burgess. Not informing him of his alliance with Nandi, Reynolds speaks with Burgess 
and even examines the high-tech laser gun that Burgess carries with him. Reynolds ultimately confirms Nandi's assessment of Burgess. After Reynolds and Inara depart, Burgess receives confirmation that he is the father of Petaline's baby. Returning to Nandi's ranch, Reynolds offers to evacuate the area with Nandi and her people, rather than face a monster who thinks he's right with God and who won't back down after only a single thrashing from some temporary help. But Nandi refuses to leave her hard-earned property and way of life. Reynolds, who admires her stubborn streak, reluctantly decides to stay and accept the challenge of defending the ranch. As the Serenity prepares for an attack by Burgess and his forces, Serenity's second-in-command Zoe has a tense conversation with her husband, Pilot Wash, in which she insists that they will have a child in the near future. Petaline goes into labor with Anara, Dr. Tam, and his younger sister River at Petaline's bedside. Nandi and Reynolds also spend time together, during which Nandi inquires about Reynolds' relationship with Anara and relates her own past, which includes the companion training she shared with Anara on the latter's homeworld, Sinan. She says that Anara was in the running to become house priestess of the house Madrasa when she suddenly left without explanation to travel among the Alliance worlds. Nandi had left before then, however, straining at the restrictions of the companion life. She moved to this border world and assumed control of the whorehouse from its previous owner, who, had, who kept the employees there addicted to drugs, and in doing so, she improved life for the girls. Mal and Nandi gradually move towards sex, pausing only when Nandi says, I ain't her, which Mal deflects without directly acknowledging her implication of his feelings for Adara. Back in town, one of Nandi's girls, Shari, reports to Burgess on Mal's preparations, after which Burgess rallies his men, proclaiming women's ordered, ordained place as submissive servants to men, which he demonstrates by ordering Chari to kneel in front of him and do a few more chores in front of the crowd. The next morning, Reynolds tries to explain his night with Nandi to Anara, but Anara calmly tells him that there is no reason to be embarrassed about his sex life and also thanks him for comforting her friend. Nonetheless, Anara subsequently sobs deeply in private and Nandi realizes that there was more to Anara's feelings than she let on. Burgess's men attack the ranch and a battle ensues, with the Serenity crew joining forces with the ranch's residents to fend off Burgess's forces. On board the Serenity, Wash and mechanic Kaylee trapped some of Burgess's men who invaded the ship, Through Walsh, though Walsh realizes that in doing so, he himself has been cut off from the bridge, preventing him from responding to Reynolds' call to join the battle. As Petaline gives birth, Chari lets Burgess inside. He quickly storms into Petaline's room, taking her newborn son. When Nandi tries to foil the kidnapping, Burgess fatally shoots her in the abdomen. He is pursued, however, by Reynolds, who captures him and drags him back to the ranch, where Petaline, holding her son, whom she has named Jonah, executes him. Petaline tells the remaining thugs to leave and orders the traitorous Chari to go with them as she no longer has a place there. Following a funeral for Nandi, Serenity, Serenity departs. Back on the ship, Anara reiterates her gratitude that Reynolds was able to comfort Nandi on what turned out to be her last night, but Reynolds can only regret his failure to save her. As Reynolds tries to broach the subject of his and Anara's unacknowledged feelings towards each other, Anara muses about how Nandi created a family and how that kind of shared strength and love makes people never want to break away. She then informs him that she will be leaving Serenity. The end. Well, as we said in the 
pre-recording discussion, this was The Seven Samurai or The Magnificent Seven or whichever version of that story you want to call it. Battle, yeah. What is it? Battle Beyond the Stars? Is that the... That works mm-hmm. too, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many versions of this story. It's not or a not bug exactly. ship than a moose ship, unfortunately. But not not exactly uh, treading new ground here. No. But the only way you tread new ground in this story is by, you know, involving your own characters in it, which is what they did. They said, "Let's let's let's adapt it and and use our people and see how it plays out." And I thought this was a really enjoyable, but not necessarily so deep episode. As far as the depth of it, I think you only, I only really had two aspects of it. Was one was the obvious, you know, Anara and Mal's feelings towards each other kind of coming a little bit more, uh, you know, more to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And on a more subtle level, the way the crew just accepts Mal's decision to defend this brothel with no real financial gain to them. And they don't really question it. Even Jane doesn't really put up, give him a hard time about it. Well, not once he finds <laughs> well, out what his payment will be. Uh, well, he's he, he's he's not happy about it, but he doesn't yeah. really. He he still you know falls in line with the captain's orders. So to me, no, he was, was going to bow out though until he heard the word hookers, uh, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. When uh, Zoe was giving everybody a choice, he's like, "I don't see the value in this. They're they're prostitutes, Jane. I'm in." <laughs> <laughs> then on on a you know the other level you have a little bit of you know again you have the development with uh, Anara and Mal you have the wondering why Anara wants to leave now why she suddenly left the companions when she was in line to go to a higher spot I guess we're going to find out more about that later um, and or either we're going to find more about that later or we would have found more about that later I still don't know right now and then. We also have, uh, you know, Zoe wanting to have a child with Wash that, you know, I don't know if there's anything that's going to come from that either, but I think that's something had the series gone on that we would have seen a little bit more of, of that marital relationship and where that was going to go. Overall, you know, solid, enjoyable episode, not especially deep in my opinion, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Paul. It wasn't exactly plot moving heavy. Um was it heavy on moving the plot? I guess that should have been phrased as if it was after 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, but I loved a lot of the character development, and I loved the insight we get into, like, Mal's, you know, not that we didn't know Mal and Anera had feelings for each other, but it, it kind of gets kicked up an extra level, and we, we get to see how much she really feels for him, obviously, and almost a kind of a little... The, the love story involved in this one is, was almost a little juvenile, in my opinion. And watching it again just a little while ago, it bugged me just a little bit. But it was just like, you know, uh, the, the classic kind of simple love triangle that, you know, um, the unrequited love, or, the, you know, the, the unfulfilled love going on in the ship. And all of a sudden, you know, pretty much Anara's like, well, I don't want anything to do with you. But when you sleep with my best friend, then, you know, I'm going to go weep silently by myself. <laughs> See, I, I don't have a problem with the unrequited love or unfulfilled love. I have a problem with the unstated love. Yeah. They're together enough and they're old enough and mature enough, theoretically, that 
I can't imagine spending that much time together and not, you know, just admitting how you feel. Yeah. This this isn't well, you know, this well, isn't that she, complex of a feeling. Yes, but but um, Inara has something going on that we've not been told about. No, and I kind of understand that, but you know, by now you would think Mal would have made some sort of move. What's he? Uh, I you know, he's, he's sitting and just waiting for her to to, to go for him. You know, doesn't seem well, right. Well, he's the captain, so I I think yeah, he's, so he should just take the wench that he wants. No, he's he's <laughs> not going to come to her. He's going to wait for her to come to him. But at the same time, I don't think maybe you know, Anara has to. Maybe she's also doesn't want to get emotionally involved because then it would be harder for her to do her job as a companion. Right. Yeah. Well, that, see, that doesn't seem right to me. He's the captain, so he's going to take the more submissive role and wait for her to come to him. No, he's he, taking the high ground, waiting for the woman to come to him. Oh, please, high ground. <laughs> and and if he's afraid it's going to stop her from wanting to be in a, a companion, he would be all the more inclined to do it because he doesn't want her to be a companion. No, he doesn't. But then is he not taking away from a part of who she is? Because she's already talked about how being a companion is a is a higher level job in the verse, and I well, think he's, then, a, he's afraid of making a move on her in case she rejects him for that reason. He is also afraid of that. Would she carry on doing her job, and would he have any say in that? I believe that also goes to the immaturity aspect that Scott just mentioned. Mm. You know, it, I, I'm not going to make a move on her because I'm afraid she's going to say no, and, well, and I, I have biology was... class next. Well, I think there's an no, element I mean, of that, too, that and I think Mal is, whether he would ever admit it to himself or not, Mal has an aspect of thinking that he's not good enough for Inara because of the world she's from. Uh, but simultaneously, he thinks he's also kind of better than her because of the world she's from. But, I mean, he, he doesn't really, I mean, he obviously knows about and accepts, you know, the whole concept of companions and everything, or, you know, wouldn't even have one on his ship probably were led to believe he's that much of a noble person that if he truly disagrees with something that hardcore that he's not going to be involved in it. So, um, so I mean, yeah, I think there's an aspect of that, that he would just never, although I'm going to go out on a limb here and probably create some, uh, brown coat blasphemy in that I kind of agree with Paul that I don't agree that, it wouldn't have been stated somewhere along the line, spending, you know, almost a full year together. We got to think it's only been about a year to nine months to a year that they've actually been together in serenity. Still a significant amount of time when you're stuck in a boat out in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking two weeks is enough time. Yeah. So it's actually kind of in my head canon that Mal and Inara were probably kicking it with some sake wine one night and fell into bed together somewhere along the line. And, you know, just kind of like, we'll never speak of this again. And, uh, you know, go on their merry way and realize that the tension and, and the attraction is there, but that they're they're not pursuing it because of their... So yeah. are you saying they made the Xingdao with two backs? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I said, my head cannon, don't send me angry letters or anything, fellow brown coats. Um, I, I know it actually didn't happen on screen, so... You know, we do. So, I don't think we'd even get one kiss in this entire, you know, series between the two of them. That um, would make more sense <laughs> to me if the two of them had had some sort of a discussion, or or some sort of a, a an interaction between the two, where they both, for the other's benefit, yeah. say, "Oh yeah, you know, this could never be serious." You know, uh, 
we missed around once and you know it's it's I, I don't you know it's that was just for fun or something like that and then they're not moving on it now because they both think they're gonna hurt the other by doing something right something like that it actually has has a level of reality to it but yeah. the schoolboy schoolgirl crush thing where it's oh I don't know does he like me send him a note in class you know what I mean like uh, yeah yeah it, it, I think you you have to create your own, you know like you said in your head canon you have to create your own little reality there to make it more believable than what they presented. And it's one of the few points on the show where I think that. Yeah. I almost feel the same way about Kaylee. I can't believe that, you know, Kaylee and although they have more kind of a older brother, younger sister dynamic, uh, or at least that's Oh no, not at all. I think they're clearly infatuated with each other, but I think that's more openly expressed. So it doesn't bother me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Kaylee's wearing a heart on her sleeve though. And Simon's too dense to see it. Everybody yeah. else, isn't, yeah, Simon isn't isn't as knowledgeable and and able to express himself as Mal is. He's not I as can't see Mal being Mal. shy. I could see Simon being shy. Yeah, but even Mal, you know, Mal, Mal mentioned he's he's been a long time at sea and hasn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. was asking Nandy to, to walk him through things slowly. Um. But but Simon, as best as I can tell, Simon's never been with a woman. Simon's yeah, never that's... really had a relationship with a woman. Yeah. So you could see where he would not be able to express himself. And then Kaylee is so innocent in her own way where she wouldn't rush him. She's waiting for him to actually, you know, to, to act affirmatively. Well, Kaylee wants the romantic gesture. That's what she's waiting for. But everyone else on the ship sees the relationship and knows what's going on and that he's too dumb to actually do anything about it. Whereas I don't think anyone else has spotted Malin and Ara apart from Nandy. Yeah, I would agree. That's what it seems like to me, too. Oh, I don't know. You're saying that the the crew doesn't like realize what's going on between Malin and Ara, Andy? I, I don't think they do. Maybe some of the more intuitive, like Zoe, is like yeah. mm, something's oh, going yeah. on. I'd, I'd say Zoe. <laughs> Again, I don't see how you could spend that much time without a small amount of people and not see it. But... Uh, well, Wash is too wrapped up in Zoe and oh, taking yeah, the piss yeah. out of Jane. So it's perfectly acceptable that he's not noticed. Plus, he doesn't know Mal as well as Zoe does. Uh, if anything, Wash thinks Zoe wants, uh, Mal wants Zoe. Yeah. So... He, so he gets jealous of Mal. Jane's just clueless. Yeah, and going back to my head canon of maybe the captain hooked up with, you know, Anara and maybe even, you know, Kaylee over the over the nine months, year, whatever. I don't think of that about Jane at all. Nobody on that ship is doing Jane, you know, not even in extreme desperation times. Not if he, even if he wears the hat? Maybe maybe with the hat, you know, if if just the Kaylee's into that kind of thing. Because Jane, obviously, you can tell throughout the series, has it bad for Kaylee. You know, but that's never reciprocated in any way, shape, or form, obviously. So, Sex Lives of the Firefly Crew on this episode, <laughs> apparently. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. It's not just my presence that has caused that train wreck. But No, no, this is this yeah. essentially what the episode is about, other than yeah. being an A-team pastiche, complete with the scene in the middle of the episode where they build something. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could have even played the A-team music to I it did back. while we were watching it There we go I did, want, I did want Mal to say love it when a plan comes together at the end but sadly that probably would have been a bit too on the nose um, 
I really like this one. I really think it's just a big old fun, magnificent seven pastiche romp, which has a level of irony to it. When they were filming this, they just got lots of notes from the studio saying, please stop doing the Western. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now we're going to turn the Western up to 11. So. Yeah, just as they're doing an episode about <laughs> that is a Western. Yeah. There's no getting away from this that that's what this is. But it's it had a laser gun. But it's, it's a it classic a story craft. that can be told in any any background because it has been yeah. told in so many different backgrounds yeah. it doesn't have to be the western motif it just happens that the show has the western motif and the most famous version of the story arguably is the western version mm. well you've got a touch of unforgiven in there too with with uh, a little prostitution well yes, it's no? you know yeah as opposed to the mexican village yeah mm. but i mean magnificent seven is on my top 20 movies of all time so I haven't done it on the show yet, but I could tell you it is Jaws, mm. and it's and yeah. it's coming back out again. Is it? Really? Yeah, I, I don't know if it'll yeah. be up to that level. Oh wait, there's that actually isn't there? There's a remake with Chris right. Pratt in it. Ew, that's yeah. yeah, that's what he means. Yeah, okay. But and you know, of course, the original isn't a western though. The, well, I guess it's a yeah. Japanese western. Yeah, it's the, the Japanese equivalent. Seven Samurai. Mm. So I, anybody, I, have, have any of you ever watched the original? I've yeah. never seen Seven it's, Samurai. If you can, if you can get by the oh, subtitles Samurai. and the yeah. you know the more primitive look well, of the a, film, that's a Kurosawa it's, it's awesome. film, isn't it? What's that? That's a Kurosawa film, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It, it is it is well worth the time to watch. I think it's about three hours long, if I remember. But Getting back real. to the prostitutes, though, let, let's uh, <laughs> talk about that for a second. Uh, if, if, you know, backwater moon, western town prostitutes are this good looking, man, I want to go to the, the, the Companion Academy or wherever, because, you know, they got to be off the charts, because there, there's nowhere in any verse that hookers look that good <laughs> that aren't, like, top-notch escort service things. But so you're thinking they should, they should look like... Uh... Like meth addicts with no teeth and stuff. Well, yeah, maybe not to that extreme. You know, they could they got good you know farm animals and stuff on this moon. I'm sure, so they're drinking their milk and things. But uh... <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with the farm animals. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, hopefully, that's well. I could I could see Rance Burgess being into farm animals because that's one skeevy villain. I, he's he's almost Niska level as far as being creepy in in the Firefly verse. Don't we all Frederick, agree on that? Uh, Frederick. Lane, or I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Yeah, something like that, Lane. I'm not the pronunciation guy. (laughs) Well, he went as Frederick, L-A-N-E, according to IMDb, but he he spells it L-E-H-N-E. L-E-H-N-E. Yeah, Yeah, he was the marshal on Lost. uh, Yeah, that's right. He's been on on everything. He's been on Sliders, Babylon 5. He's been in movies. He should just... Uh, he should like he should grow the, the villain mustache, man, because he was like almost like you know mustache twirling type, but with a very perverse angle um, as far as the must have the baby, you know, and and saying that right in front of his wife, presumably, and <laughs> you know the whole display, you know, to the town of this is what a a horror is for, and yeah, just yeah. really. Ugh. I'll cut the baby out of you, Petaline. Um, yeah, real class act, this guy. So, 
personal yep. vote. Yeah, <laughs> bad villain, bad, yes, bad guy. I, I, I like him as a villain, and as with yeah. with a lot of uh, Whedon's work, although Joss didn't write this one, there is the feminist subtext to it that the women are more than capable looking after themselves. Yeah. That he was he was a bit of an outright scumbag, which is the only way these stories work. Yeah. The villain has to be really, you know, the lowest of the low, which is why I did like the middle bit where Mal said, want to seize up the guy before I fight him. And he goes and meets him. And then he comes out and says, right, we're leaving. We're not hanging around. We're just going to go. And uh, Nandy and her crew all take that as well. I can't say as a blame yet. And Mal's like, no, you're coming with us. Yeah, we're getting the right. hell out of Dodge. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting twist that Mal knows when to fight and when to walk away from a fight that he yeah. doesn't think he can win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that as well. I thought that was a, a nice little twist to the plot. Mm. But then, a little, little bit more depth and a little bit more realism. Yeah, and I think all the characters had little moments of interest in this one. I, I loved the conversation between Wash and Zoe about having a baby, mm-hmm. that they will... You know, there's never going to be the right time, so we may as well just do it. Joss has said, had the show gone to a second or third season, they would have had one, and they would have had the whole comedy value of having a crib in Serenity's hangar bear yeah. and having the, the people look after the baby. So the baby would essentially grow up with seven parents, mm-hmm. which Wash wouldn't have been pleased about. That would have been brilliant, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, lo- I love all of River's little asides in this one. It's coming before yeah. anyone else knows that the baby's coming because she's yeah. very intuitive. She knows the gender, too, like yeah. before anyone can even look. Yeah. So all that stuff plays into the next episode. So yeah. although this is a light, fluffy, throwaway romp, there's lots of little bits in it that either have paid off in the future or have been mentioned in the past. As evidenced by the fact that the previously on this one was nearly two minutes long. Now, I do wonder if some of that was because Fox was showing him out of order, but Fox never heard this episode, did they? I don't think they did. So, yeah, so this was an unheard episode. So why they mm. felt the need to put such a massive previously on it, I don't know. But for the most part, I like Melinda Clark, who I think is really good as Nandy, but she's good in everything I've seen her in. And Jane is just brilliant in this one. Once he accepts that his payment is going to be taken in, in, in um, trade, should we say, he yeah. really embraces yeah. this particular job. Yeah. And I love that he's he's in the bedroom with her, presumably being serviced as they're going along, and he's just saying, right, when you've done that, pass me that gun, then that yeah. gun, then yeah. that gun. Right, we're ready. And everyone else is doing fortifications and preparing themselves, and Jane's just got his line of guns, and he's on his bed with his woman, and he's done. He's, he's got his, yeah, two favorite things in the universe, is guns and, and a woman, and you know, so, and he's all about business, man. He's, he's yes. going to get the job done, but he's, he's going to So you've, you've got that wonderful scene from the beginning, which Scott's already mentioned, where he was like, I'm, I'm not down with this, there's no money in it. So this probably ended up being his favorite gig. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, uh, when 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 Anara um, walks in on Mal when he's practicing his gun, he's high. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice. There's a lot of good comedic beats in this this yeah. one. Yeah. This, the thing with this episode as well, if you have a look in the official companion, which I've got in front of me, this was only written. You got Anara there. I've I have got an official companion on my knee <laughs> as Whoa. we speak. Um, this episode was a rush job because the Perks another, of being a showrunner. Yeah, well. Yeah, as the producer, <laughs> yes. I get to have an official companion. Uh, the, the episode that was going to be written was going to be a Christmas show, but the Reavers were in it, and Joss was like, uh, we may have overexposed the Reavers a little bit, especially with them not erring it in the order that we're making them, so I need another script, and I need it on Monday. 
I'm I gotta th- say, through fi- through uh, was it fourteen episodes? Mm. I don't think they overexposed the Reavers at all. I'm sitting here saying I really would have liked to have gotten a little more of them, and I'm guessing I'm going to get more of them in the movie. But yeah, but, but, but we I, also I, don't know what he had planned for the second half of the season. Like, yeah, no, I, I don't. And, but yeah. but certainly, I don't feel like they were overexposed through half the season. No, but anyway, but that's what they decided. So that script was was that idea. It was never written to script. Was jinxed, dixed. Sorry, and then this one was basically just pitched up as it was one of the first ideas they suggested let's do the magnificent seven uh and because they needed a script quickly that's where this came from it was written over a weekend very quickly they bang out these weekend scripts don't they Mm. well you know i almost think a christmas episode like specifically mentioning even the holiday would have been out of place in this show i I don't i mean they've never really addressed you know, Judeo-Christian beliefs that much. I mean, they did in this this episode a bit, you know, the and with Shepard, obviously. But, I mean, it's never really felt like this verse kind of celebrates the standard, you know, holidays. That Well, I'm, like, I'm guessing you know. if they did it, it wouldn't have been the standard holiday. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, first of all, that it would have been different from what we do. And second of all, I think everybody on the ship would have had their own way of doing it or their own you know cultural well, background. It would have to be some kind of different. Christian Buddhist type hybrid, I would assume. And you know, or so, I don't no, know. I, Even I then think, I'm sure I think Christmas will go on. I think we will celebrate Christmas every year till the end of time. Whether it morphs into something that's not specifically a religious holiday or doesn't, I think it will just carry on. And I think in Firefly they would just have used it as a connection to Earth that was. Mm-hmm. It was a holiday that everybody pretty much came about to celebrate. They would uh, probably spaceify it, obviously. Or yeah, and it'll be celebrated it. differently on the different worlds. But I think it probably will become very much a, a celebration of Earth that was. Even though, yeah, you know, Book has referred many times to following the teachings of a carpenter, which he does in this yeah. episode. So if nothing else, we could have done it as a book episode. And I don't I'm think it's you would have had. Uh, I'm thinking you would you would have had. You know, book doing the, uh, you know, the more religious background. You would have had River maybe not understanding. Mm. Or or you maybe you could have had River, like, embrace it the most. Like, all of a sudden she has this insight that nobody else mm. understands. Yeah. Could have been interesting to go with that. And then you would have had Jane, like, kind of. Where's my know, gift? Just, just pushing it off until, yeah, until all of a sudden there's gifts and then he turns into, like, a seven-year-old. Mm. Yeah. Simon and Kaylee trying to make a Christmas dinner. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it could have been, or, or even Mal and Inara. Yeah. Oh, well, no, Mal wouldn't. Mal would have been very dismissive of it until the end. But I'm I'm picturing Mal as, like, yeah, being dismissive of it publicly, but then maybe in private giving Inara a gift or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, when the, or, you know, when they all sit down to dinner and he has to carve the space turkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a block of protein, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost bringing a tear to my eye, and they didn't even film it. <laughs> I like the idea as well that all of the women are open to everybody taking it out in trade because they're helping them rather than paying them. And everyone's pretty much open to that, even though they're not actually going to get much. Because as Mal points out, we've got a married fella, we've got a preacher, we've got a doctor who would have to lighten up a little bit to actually get some, which would be a miracle in and of itself. Um, and we're never specifically told if Kaylee avails herself of the opportunities because they do have boy holes, which yeah. she takes great delight in pointing out yeah. and eyeing them up. 
and even well, but we don't see a lot of them. I thought I would have thought a, a bigger deal would have been made of them in the fight at the end, but they kind of just seem to blend into the background. There was one, and he ended up kind of yeah. Die. One gets yeah, <laughs> and one gets shot, doesn't he? Yeah, one of them does take a shoulder wound at some point. I vaguely remember, but yeah, it's it's all about the women because it's a Joss Whedon show. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't, nor do I. I really like Nandi's character in this. And I think the way it differentiated itself from an episode of the A-Team was she she died at the end, which yeah. I thought was a real shame. It also, it, it cleans it up a little bit for Mal and Inara. Yeah. Not having her in there to turn it into some kind of triangle. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I don't think it ever really would have been, even if the show, can, even if Nandi was like, I'm going to go hang out with my pal Inara. I don't think they, I don't think Joss would have gone... Hopefully, oh, they would not. have to go back oh, to this world again. Yeah, you know, um, I, I thought that the scene between her and Mel was some, one of the best written of the whole series. Um, mm. Just the whole seduction and, and her showing him her guns and talking about the the story of, yeah, um, yeah, just one of the best written scenes. And knowing that it was done over a weekend, you know, even better. Um, and then you know uh, Reynolds or Reynolds Nathan Fillion and and that actress Melinda Clark. yeah just had like instant chemistry together you know they they couldn't have cast a better Nandy for that episode I don't think we've seen anyone on the show yet who Fillion doesn't have some kind of chemistry with no and there's, there's the, the yeah that bit is really really nice and especially have you ever heard sly as um, a euphemism for being gay before. No, no. No, I mean, because when I was watching it, I was like, what did he say there? And I put the subtitles on. I was like, oh, right. I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, but you instantly understood the context. So I mean, yeah. It was no problem. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, I've just never heard it referred to as that. I just wondered yeah. if it was a Firefly addition with the funky little language that they have. Because I, I, the, the, the dialogue in this one is, is really good. It's yeah. Firefly, but understandable. I lean towards woman folk. Yeah, <laughs> I love all of that. I think the dialogue in this is just fantastic. Which leaves uh, Mal very ambiguous. Actually, it's like oh, Mal, Mal might have, you know, hey, why not? Space gets lonely, you know. Him and Jane, just as likely <laughs> I as him, I don't just as likely as him and Kaylee. That's I don't think he's going anywhere near Jane. <laughs> I don't that... think he'd go anywhere near Kaylee. To be honest with you, Kaylee's his little sister. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I that it's... lovely scene in the next episode that we'll talk about when we get to Objects in Space, where that really comes comes to oh, the so fore. We do have to remember how he met Kaylee, and, you know, he could yeah. come back <laughs> and visit her in the, in the engine room someday, and she'd just be like, you know what, I've... <laughs> yeah, well, it's lovely. Working on this call baby back. all day. I need some release there, Captain. So, I Captain love the Pike. little callbacks as well, where, where the, he kisses her, and then yeah. says, she stops, and she goes, what are you doing? I'm just seeing if I pass out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Which did that even work? Was this? I mean, I got thinking about that, and was this even? Yeah, I guess this was aired after our Mrs. Reynolds. Yeah, this is well, well after our Mrs. Reynolds yeah. at this point. Uh, she's been back since then. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I got. I'm waiting on that that episode from you guys. I want to hear Paul's reaction to. <laughs> to that point. the return of Saf go Saf Bridge yeah. I love the little puppet show about the earth that was um, what? the little puppet art thing it's just playing in the background in the in the script you've got a full script about what they're actually saying they're telling right. the story of earth that was it's only in the background in this but that's a nice little touch hmm. Bill you've not told us if you've liked it oh I thought I conveyed that I've, I've been researching 
in the background. I was looking stuff up, but you guys were coming up and discussing it as I was researching it, so there was <laughs> I had nothing to say. Um, you have no, the floor I, now, sir. The floor is mine. And the floor is wet in my house, but well, no, it's it's dry now. Um, no, this you know this this is a take on the Magnificent Seven, like like we've been saying. Um, I like Melinda Clark; she's been in a lot of stuff too, uh, round and about. Julie Cooper. What was she? Was she, was that one of her characters on? She was on a. Oh no, wait. The the OC. Do you ever watch the OC? Oh no, I don't watch the OC. Oh, I watch the OC all the time, just for all the comic references. Really? Yeah. There was, there was a character in in um, oh, the OC true. who was a big comic book fan, and he would regularly drop comics references to comics that were going on at the time. Angela started watching the OC, and then I got sucked into it because of that, because of all the comic references. She played priest in Spawn. I just realized. Yeah, yeah, she was in Spawn. She's been in. Uh, she was in Return of the Living Dead, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was. Um, she was runner up for number six in Battlestar Galactica, which is a nice way of saying she didn't get the job. <laughs> runner up. She was oh, in man, Xena. I wish, wish she had. Oh she yeah, had. and everybody who was in Xena was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The part I she remember in, from is when she was on Seinfeld. She played one one of Jerry's girlfriends. Uh, the Star Trek Enterprise episode too, apparently. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, but she, she was very heavily made up, which which upset me. Yeah. What yeah. was she? Was uh, was she a Klingon or was she? No, uh, wasn't she? Um, God, I've just watched all of these as well. Uh, wasn't she a the, Suliban? Suliban, yeah. So Suleban? she ended up being green and scaly. Jake and the Fat Man, 1991. Too. Wow, she was in Jake and the <laughs> <Yeah>. Fat Man. <laughs> well, that's something you put on your CV. Plucked you know the only reason I lives. know about Jake and the Fat Man is it took over Magnum's production unit when Magnum finished filming. Wow, Jake and the Fat Man came after Magnum? Yeah, well, it started wow. when Magnum was still on the air, and it was originally set in LA, and then when Magnum finished they had all the production facilities still up and running. So where, as Magnum took them all over from Hawaii Five O, Jake and the Fat Man moved to Hawaii and took them all over from Magnum. Because Universal Studios had all these facilities over there that they didn't want doing nothing. Mm-hmm. She was also just on Gotham. I don't know if anybody... Oh, who does she play on Gotham? Because hey. Marina Baccarin's in Gotham, isn't she? Yep, yep. yep. She was. Uh, she's not in Gotham anymore, I'll just oh, right. say. In case you're going to watch it. Well, she's busy <laughs> off having Commissioner Gordon's son, isn't she? Oh, well, I was talking about Melinda Clark. I don't oh, know. Oh, right. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. She was actually having, yes, she is having his son in real life. Um, and, um, uh, but no, Melinda Clark was on Gotham for two episodes. And uh, let's just say, uh, has anybody else seen it? I'm trying to remember. I didn't realize it was her, but then I'm not familiar with her. She has the lovely meal the penguin serves her. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. I do. Okay. I didn't realize that was the same person. All right. So yeah. are, we, are we to assume from that that the meal doesn't end well? Oh, Well, it yeah, depends it's... on whose perspective you're looking at it. From the penguin's point of view, it ends well. All right. Okay. Or, f- well, maybe not from the people who were served in the meal. I mean, well. In I the meal. You know, oh, oh right. Do, do we do Titus Andronicus? Is that what? Uh, the thing about Bill is he's so subtle. You're never going to figure out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Don't spoil it because I, I apparently have to start watching that god awful show for we do heroics. So, what well, spoilers? <laughs> you know what? Spoiler I had to accept 
on, I'm, on doing, that. I'm doing it under protest. So. I've had to accept that this is a universe, you know, it's an alternate universe where Batman really just doesn't exist. Yeah. Instead of sitting here watching the show and saying, yeah, one day Batman's going to come around. Yeah. And it's annoying that all his villains are kind of coming to the forefront before he even exists. I, had, I just had to tell myself this is a world where Batman doesn't exist and these villains are going to come to be anyway. Yeah. Well, it's probably going to be like, um, you know, the end of Smallville to where the last episode he's going to put on a cowl and that'll be it. And all yeah, these but, villains but, are already in the nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch the show like waiting for that. So, um, like I said, I'm just taking the point of view of it's a world where Batman doesn't exist and, you know, all the villains are going to come to be. They should have just called it that. They should have just called it "Waiting for Batman." Yeah, good with that. We're we're about to get a TV Superman again, so anything's possible. Mm. Well, I guess we can't talk about Gotham. Well, one, this isn't a Gotham podcast, so I guess we can't yet. Not yet. (laughs) And plus, Scott hasn't watched it yet. (laughs) Hey, Bill, I came up with another episode for our Gilmore Girls podcast. We should totally call it "Hand in Your Man Card," a Gilmore Girls podcast. We're definitely going to have to do some episodes of that. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, back to this. Uh, the fight at the end is gorgeous. I love Mal on a horse. Because yes. cowboys, and there is no wrong here, especially when you add in the word space cowboy. And I love that his, his fancy weapon, check battery. Oh, I can't believe that nobody said, some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> have we said that before? Maybe we I, have. I think you have. I think, well, I think um, you've got, you because you're the gangster of love, aren't you? I'm, I'm no, he's Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than being the walrus of love, isn't it? Hey. I, that was Barry White. I wasn't digging at you, dude. Oh, I thought maybe you were talking to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if she's calling you the walrus of love, that only means you're pretty like, good. Get off, get off of me, you walrus of love. <laughs> get those tusks out of here. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so this was this was all good stuff, I really, and I like that the ending leaves it open that there is now a woman in charge of the town. Kinda, yeah, yeah. So you've got that whole thing that now they've got rid of him. Maybe the town will will turn around and, and make a go of it because it's the only thing I didn't like about this episode was that line in the in the epilogue. I think those girls will do all right, and I'm sat there in real it. None of those men are going to come back and want vengeance. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, six months later, and it's a burned out husk. Yeah, and especially now they've not even yeah. got Nandy to lead them. Yeah, it's yeah. really. Yeah, but Petaline, she's gonna step right up and. Oh yeah! Did you see that ending coming? I didn't think. No, I, I figured Rance wouldn't make it out of the episode alive, but I didn't really think that they would have her do it. <laughs> no, I didn't think she'd just walk up to him and shoot him through the head. Yeah. yeah. I, I had thought that they were going to keep him alive so that he could eventually possibly have a return on the show as a uh, an antagonist. Yeah, I mean, he would have been a pretty good one. but uh... Yeah, but don't we have enough of those already? No. Or or we did? Or there was? Well, we had... I, don't, I don't think you can ever have enough. No, like, I mean, even, you know, Niska even lived to fight another day, didn't he? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've still that. got Niska around. Niska! And this story couldn't really end other, any other way. He needs to yeah. be gotten rid of, otherwise they will just keep coming back. That's what Mal says. The guy doesn't yeah. like to lose, so he needed to be gotten rid of. Oh, Mal would have capped him if, if she didn't. Yeah, I think Mal would have kicked <laughs> him into an engine. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, probably nothing <laughs> even that subtle. <laughs> have, yeah, but it does have, serve. Have hooked it him does, up to his hover hovercraft and dragged him to the desert, probably. But it does serve better, or maybe give it more. Uh, I hate to use the word gravitas, but um, that, why? It's a good word. That pedaline does it instead of mouth, showing that they will stand up for themselves, and maybe that that will keep the dogs at bay mm. and in line. That you know they've, you know, she's killed the alpha dog. Now yeah. she's the alpha bitch. So don't mess with us. Yeah, well, and there's also the thing that she is. She has got the earth of the town. So it would be nice to think that the mm. his wife would now be in charge of the town, and with that in mind, they would raise that boy to be slightly less scummy than his father. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. The only other nitpick I have with uh, this episode, and it's it's tied back to earth it was is that the uh the guns you know i understand the uh like the weapon budget on the show probably wasn't very high but are we really still using ak-47s in the year 24 or whatever it is 25 something well i think they've done a good enough <laughs> job of establishing that the backwater worlds don't have the new technology the yeah. fact that he's got that one pistol yeah. is what's allowing him to keep everyone in line. He's got the one thing that nobody else has. Take that away from him and take him out of the picture and it's an even playing field. So they have done, I think they've done enough of a job with establishing the outer territories as being, they've, essentially they've got the cast-offs, haven't they? So they've got what's left. Um, it always, it, I always think I prefer stuff like this where they're, they're not all shooting each other with laser guns. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying go there, but just a little alteration. Like, I mean, Mal's pistol doesn't kind of look like your your standard pistol of our day. You know, just a little, you know, slap some cheap special effects on the side and make it just look a little different than modern day. But Like Vera. Yeah, you know, right. yeah. That's, you know, just me from watching the, the damn episode probably 25 times now that I had to I find just, some other detail. To... Did anyone else get a, a, speaking of Gilmore Girls, did anyone else get an Alexis Bledel vibe off Petaline? Hmm. I might have if I knew who that was. <laughs> Young Rory Gilmore. Again, I might have if I knew who Am I the only was. man who hasn't watched the Gilmore Girls, apparently? Or yeah, no, no, I, I, I think me and Bill are the only men that admit to watching Gilmore Girls. <laughs> No, I think Professor Middleton... Uh, oh, yeah, Professor Middleton's in touch with his feminine side as well. Yeah, he's... I don't think there's anything about admitting it. <laughs> I think the reality is that Scott and I just haven't. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm the world's biggest Orange is the New Black fan, so, I mean, I, I have no problem admitting <laughs> to unconventional TV tastes, but you, just you never got to, on the Gilmore Girls. You don't Girls. want to start watching Gilmore Girls. It's seven seasons of your life that will just yeah, be sucked right. away within minutes. Right. I've got too big of a cue going to even consider that at this point. <laughs> and then uh, Orange is the New Black, isn't that just like caged heat? Um, I mean, all, all essentially, local. yeah, four seasons. Yeah. Of it. It's a beautiful thing, and and plenty of shower scenes to boot. So yeah, you know, Ooh. it's not all Catherine Jane. Except Janeway can stay dirty, as far as I'm concerned. No yeah, reason, well, to, get, no, no, no reason she, for you to get in the shower. Stay she out. She hasn't taken her kid off yet. No, so good. She, Keep it she on. Spared us, but she's awesome on that. I mean, she's simply awesome on that. She really is. Cat and Janeway's on that. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, a big, no. big uh, red-haired Russian woman named Red. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're we're tangenting into Gilmore Girls and Orange is the New Black. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's time to rate this episode. All right. What are we rating it this week? Don't I say in holes. G for good. 
Um, as I said, I, I mean, I didn't think this was an especially deep episode, but as we went over it, you know, we hit on some of the key points that are, you know, I, I would say the key subtleties, if you want to call it that, that there are, there are things in there, even if it's not tremendous world building, there is, there are some character building moments, uh, but I don't think that's what the episode is about. I think the episode really is the Magnificent Seven. It's really more or less a, uh, you know, a Western romp. And I kind of love it for that. I don't think this one needed to be more deep than it is. So I think it's a really solid, enjoyable episode. And I'm giving it a 4.0. Very good. So, Let's go. So, so what was the, uh, I'll just actually make up my own rating system here. I'm going to go with, uh, Let's say Jane can fit 10 firearms on his bed, so we'll go out of 10 firearms. I'm going to go eight rifles out of 10. That's all good, except we rated out of five. Out of five, okay. Um, Then they're very big rifles, and you can put five of them on the bed, and I'm going to go four out of five. I think it would have been funny if you said, that's all well and good, but I'm still giving it an eight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say four. Four space brothels out of five. Uh, and I'm going to give it a four across the board, I think. So let's see. A four, a four, a four, and a four. What does that average out to? Four. 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 I feel like James. <laughs> <laughs> four carrying zero. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, very solid, good episode. And just yet another one, as I said, that makes me a little melancholy about the fact that the series is ending. But the series hasn't ended yet. Because, Andy, next time on an all-new episode of Keep Em Flying, it's the end. Does that seem right to you? Objects in space. See you all next time. Goodbye. See you. Keep Em Flying, a Firefly podcast, is a Two True Freaks presentation and is hosted by Shepard Bill Robinson, Paul Spataro, and Andrew Leyland. All the music and sound clips used in the show is copyright Fox Broadcasting and is available to buy on the Firefly soundtrack by Greg Edmondson. If you like to buy that soundtrack, maybe you could do it through the Amazon link that is on the TwoTrueFreaks.com website. It costs you nothing extra, but throws a few pennies in our tip jar, which helps us to continue to produce content like this. Every episode of Keep Flying is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. And remember, find a ship, find a crew... Keep flying. Hey, Bill. Hey, Andy. It's just you and me. You and me against the world. (laughs) Just the two of us. (laughs) We can make it if we try. Blowing up imps if we try. (laughs) Do you know what? We should invite other people on our battle from Texcapades, but I have too much fun playing with you, so screw (laughs) Well, 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 we can we can invite people. <laughs> Do we have to? I don't like people. Yes, I was playing a lot yesterday in between trying to dry up water. <laughs> Do you have lots of towels out? Yeah, yeah. I kept throwing some towels down, sopping up the water, and then more. You know, then pull them up, throw some more towels down. And... Uh, oh, Superman's gonna be on Supergirl. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> if 
know what else is. No, I definitely am, man. I, I was getting into it with uh, a Man of Steel apologist the other day. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind Man of Steel at all. I just no, I don't either. Drop the ball immensely with Batman versus Superman to the point where I'm actually not giving a shit about Justice League, which I think is a real shame. But at the moment, I just don't care about it, especially when you're seeing all this tasty TV goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, well, that's why someone made the uh, the comment that, you know, Superman, like he's intended to be, and, and someone who likes grim, dark Superman came in and had to cause some shit, of course. Uh, well, I suppose they can both coexist. I, I think yeah. Henry Cavell is a really great Superman surrounded by a really bad production crew. <laughs> and, and Amy Adams is a brilliant Lois Lane. Yeah, you know, that's... When she's allowed to be Lois Lane, yeah, hopefully. I, I've tried to start watching the the Ultimate Edition a couple times, and I just I'm gonna have to go on Reddit or something and find out where the exact timestamps are where the new shit is because I I still I cannot get past the Bat Elevator dream sequence mm-hmm. to save my life. I'm about halfway through on my watch. I, I I couldn't do it in one sitting. Yeah, no way. But I'm also taking notes because we will be doing an episode, or some of us will be doing an episode. Uh, yeah. Please, somebody else, because I don't. Somebody else it. who's in the room right now will be doing an episode and just let out a happy sigh. <sighs> of Thank what? You. Thanks for taking the bullet. <laughs> of what are you watching? What? Batman versus Superman. Oh yeah, I I picked that up. I haven't watched extended it yet. cut. I got the extended cut. Haven't watched it yet. It's a better film. If you've not seen the cinematic cut, which I will... did not. All right. Well, you'll probably watch it then and go, "What was ever a moaning about? This isn't as bad a film." Yeah. But all that being said, I think Star Trek Beyond was easily the best summer blockbuster that failed. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought Star Trek Beyond was really a lot of fun. Yeah, it had Star Trek's heart and soul to it. It had a bunch of actors who finally seem to have outgrown the originals and are doing their own thing in a good way. And I, I just can't believe the, the, the amount of fun I had watching that film. The most fun I've had at a Star Trek cinematic screening since The Undiscovered Country, easily. They lost too much goodwill mm. with Into, with into Darkness. Yeah. yeah. This one should have been the second one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I, I was mostly just impressed with Chris Pine, I thought was like yeah, really was becoming brilliant. Shatner in this one. Uh, Urban was, was really brilliant. The, yeah. And it, if you've not seen it yet, but it really, I think it's the most underrated film of the summer. I really do. Mm. And I have Paul and a couple of others. Zaki and Chris Franklin and a couple of others to blame for actually going, go on then, I'll go and give it a go. Yeah, And I, I ended up yeah. having a blast. I yeah, really did. Long, I'm glad I'm glad that I didn't recommend it only to have you say, oh, fuck, I wish you hadn't sent me to that. <laughs> no, no, well, it, it's one of those things. The reviews all came in. The reviews were all unanimously good. Yeah, I listened to Honeywell. Part. I trust Honeywell. Yeah, and that's what it was. And then when Chris Honeywell started saying, actually, this is quite good. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay. And then Zaki Hassan gave it a great review. Yeah. And then you, Paul, came out and said, actually, I think you'll really like it. And then Chris Franklin messaged me and said, are you planning going seeing the new Star Trek? And I was like, mm, I'm on the fence. And he was, no, I think you'll really like it. So then yeah. there's four people uh, whose opinion I actually vi- valid, I find valid and are all telling me, oh, I think you'll like it. So I'm like, all right, go on. I'm having a date night with Ange. Let's give it a go. And I genuinely enjoyed it. I think that's the biggest thing about it. I genuinely enjoyed the experience. It wasn't, uh, it was all right, like Suicide Squad. I was entertained for the two hours, but then forgot about it. And it wasn't, Jesus, this is mind-numbingly dull, like Batman versus Superman. 
Yeah. It was just good, solid two hours worth of entertainment. I really liked it. I agree totally. <laughs> and I, I only, I only hope that the solid reviews and the opinions like that lead to a significant enough income in home video sales mm. that they are encouraged to move on to the next one yeah. and keep going with the same type of attitude that they went with this one. Yeah. Rather than say, well, you know, Into Darkness made more money, so I guess they want more of that. No, that's, <laughs> no I think Into Darkness fear, making, cause... yeah, I think Scott's right. I think Into Darkness making more money ultimately led to this one not making as much, which is a yeah. reach. Yeah, oh, I agree with that also. But it's also one of my real serious pet peeves is when, when people try to argue that the finances are somehow uh, oh, an, no, an indication of quality. Yeah. When somebody's putting up, look how much money Suicide Squad made. It's a better movie than Civil War. Okay. What's know. killing me lately, making me want to punch babies lately, is all these articles trying to tell me why I should like something I didn't. <laughs> it's like, no, really, it's a good movie. Here's why. Like, okay, whatever. I'm sure it was a good movie for you, but don't try to tell me it was for me if it wasn't. <laughs> well, but But when I do see those kind of arguments... The here's why is what I'm interested in. Don't just tell me it was good and I'm wrong. Yeah. Or it was bad and I'm wrong. Well, even that, why. though, because they usually reference, like, well, see, they did this in the comic and this, and it's like, well, we're not talking about the comics. If I'm reading that comic, yeah, I probably would have enjoyed it, but it didn't work on screen. Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think the thing to remember with Suicide Squad, it was very much aimed at the early teen, teen market, and it scored. My yeah. daughter loved it. So the audience that it was aimed at loved it. I quite enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, the first the third of it was a freaking editing mess from hell. Yeah, but, but. then once it settled down, <laughs> yeah, it, it actually ended uh, up being quite entertaining, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, Captain Boomerang. But it, it, you know, let's, Speaking let's, of Captain Boomerang, <laughs> let's not make too Andy, much hard. Well, Andy, I, I, I think you need to listen. Uh, you need to go on real quick and listen to the opening of today's Back to the Bins that Paul just put up. That was brilliant. I, yeah. I genuinely thought yeah, I was listening to Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> you said I said it like Bob Hoskins? Yeah, you said more like, like Bob Hoskins trying to do an Australian accent. <laughs> Every now and again, you slipped into Cockney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, blimey, mate. I'm actually a Londoner, but I'm really drinking Foster's. Turns oh. into Dick Van Dyke. What <laughs> was that? It all comes back to Dick Van Dyke. And I'm not slagging you off, mate. I, I get nothing but grief from my Scottish accent. But to me, I think that's a genius accent. And I'm not going to stop doing it. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Because I'm grew up My, my more British of... accent and my Australian accent are the same thing. <laughs> all your accents insane. are the same thing. Apparently, so was mine. <laughs> they all sound like they came from Brooklyn. <laughs> Oh, damn. Well, that was all done on the cuff. Oh, on the cuff. Off the cuff. It was very good. I, I especially like the word, did you get your captain? What, what are you a captain in? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's more of an honorary time. <laughs> yeah, <that was> like... <laughs> I got it from Bula Wula Bong High. I did it as a correspondence course, mate. Do you want Crikey. a tinny? <laughs> Crikey you. See, crikey you is, is the Cotswolds, surely, more than Australia. <laughs> oh, I've just got to stop a minute, mate. I've got to go and wrestle with this big spider. See, this oh, my God, it's as big as my arm. This is what I have to replace with no councils for old men. What the hell am I going to do? 
All that you should get a genuine Aussie. Actually, I got myself a, a, a Dubliner, maybe, or is he from Belfast? David Walker. Oh, Dave's from Belfast. Yeah, you might be my new replacement for you, Doctor Bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I, can, I, I told him I, I considered. I, ta- I told him we we kind of trade off on who takes the the time zone hit. <laughs> mm. Right, you like we do here? Yes, like we do here. Yeah, where I get the the, the good end of the deal every single week. <laughs> we trade off. Sometimes I get up early, and other times Andy gets to get up when he feels like it. Yeah. Hey, it's not as bad as when we did that appearance on Stacey's um, pop culture thing where she did it for charity. And I texted oh, yeah. Steve and just as I rolled out of bed and said, so when are we on then? And he said, uh, right now. <laughs> I think we recorded either just before that or just after that because we were talking when we when I was on Fantastic Cast. Yes. Yeah, it was the same day, wasn't it? 